When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. Today on Squanderlust, why more choice does not mean more happiness, and why the way we taste jam tells us a lot about pensions. Hey, Alex. Hello. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. I'm feeling slightly sluggish, but maybe a wander through the choice maze. Well, I think um, it's an interesting place to wander through uh, because it's quite counterintuitive. There's a lot of what we have been told culturally that gets very much questioned by what we're going to be talking about today. Mm. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. This is the start of a Mm two-parter. So we're going to do one half today and then next week there will be a second half to this so Mm. everybody Mm. keep your ears attuned for that (laughs) (laughs) today we're going to talk about the problem yes and then next time it'll be the remedy exactly the poison and the remedy yeah 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 so today we're talking about choice and in particular we're talking about having too much choice and at least in western cultures and and certainly my experience of um, being in Japan is is slightly different, but in Western cultures, the dogma for a long, long time has been more choice is more freedom is more happiness. Mm-hmm. It's a, a really uh, simplistic way of thinking about it. Choice equals freedom equals happiness. So more choice must mean more freedom must mean more happiness. And it's a it's a funny idea, right? When you look at psychological research over the decades. There's definitely a link between some choice and improvements in all sorts of uh, things that help us in our in our well-being. Um, when you have up to six choices, up to six options that you could choose from, mm. um, and you compare with having the availability of choosing between those six options versus having no choice at all and just being told what to do... Mm. Being given those options increases your motivation to act, increases your sense of control over everything. You actually perform better in tasks if you Mm. get to choose from a limited array of tasks compared to if you're just assigned one. 
um, and it improves your overall sense of your life satisfaction. So, and, and this is from lots of studies over lots, lots of time. Lots of studies over lots and lots of time. Mm. But the interesting thing about those studies is, generally speaking, it's a limited array of options versus no choice at all. That's what's been oh, compared. Okay. Right. Um, so based on those, it, it seems like, yeah, choice is really important. We need choice. Choice is great. It seems to back up our sort of um, cultural idea that mm. choice is, is great. And certainly some choice is necessary for happiness. When you have no choice, you have no freedom. And that is miserable. That is <laughs> slavery, basically. <laughs> You know, the, having your choice taken away from you in important matters mm. is extremely distressing. So mm. we certainly can't say that no choice is, having no choice is, is the way forward. But it's a logical fallacy to say that because no choice is no cho freedom is misery, therefore more choice is more freedom is more happiness. Mm. Um, it, it's a bit like saying, well, because... No water is dehydration is, mm. <laughs> is right. bad. Means you can't drown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, Those... because you get thirsty, you can't drown. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. So there is such a thing as too much choice. And we're going to be talking about too much choice and the implications of too much choice in the next couple of episodes. So we'll talk about the research and why too much choice is an issue. And next time we'll talk about some strategies for how to cope in a world where choices just seem to have multiplied beyond mm. all control and reason. I mean, I'm getting anxious just thinking about that. I get really, yeah, I feel very much overchoiced in yeah. my life. So, yeah, <laughs> this is relevant to me. Mm, yeah. So we'll start off with just, you know, I do want to acknowledge that, yes, choice and a sense of agency in choosing is is enjoyable. We do want to direct our own lives. So, you know, I think I think both of us as freelancers, you know, we live a life that's very full of choice. Mm. Yeah, that was my choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, didn't always feel like a choice at the time. It definitely feels like one now. Yeah, I uh, definitely need to maintain choice in the shapes of my days, mm. or at least the shapes across a week. You know, sometimes I go into the office for client work and I have to be there and have to do the office thing. But if I did, I think, more than two days a week of that, I probably would go a bit insane. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I like very much to control what time I start, what time I finish, how long my lunch is, what I do at what point of the day, whether I want to, you know, every 20 minutes look at something on Wikipedia <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. that's just how I need to do it you know I kind of yeah I feel like it, office environments it always it feels like you have to be working all the time and my brain just doesn't work all the time it has to have little breaks yeah yeah totally totally so, yeah I like to not be watched <laughs> yeah yeah I think I think that's a really important one um and a lot of people I think a lot of the move towards flexible working actually is because a lot of people feel the same way mm. you know a lot of us would rather have more choice in how we spend our time mm. in that regard i definitely get as much work done if not more it's amazing what you can do when anyone interrupts you for a meeting all day <laughs> <laughs> very true mm. very true yeah and 
I, when I was researching this, I came across a, a really interesting example, something that I think is really telling around how much people enjoy the feeling of having some choice mm. um, and having agency. And I was looking at um, video game design because what makes video games different from other kinds of media, and I'm no hardcore gamer, but I do quite like playing some games. What makes games different from other media is that you make choices within games in ways that, I mean, unless you're reading an old school choose-your-own-adventure book, mm. you, you're not really doing in, in other kinds of media. You're not being told a story in the same way. You're participating in the story and in the outcomes of that story. So player choice is an integral part of the enjoyment of games, but choices that actually change outcomes within a game mean that game designers have to design more content, and that's incredibly expensive for the game developers. So game designers are super clever at creating this illusion of choice within limited actual choices and content. Mm -hmm. And they've got all these cunning ways of essentially steering you to make certain choices without openly acknowledging that those choices are limited and you don't actually they don't actually affect the outcomes of what's happening in the game. So as to give you the the feeling of that agency, which we find enjoyable, without actually having given you more choice. Mm. And there's a, um, a YouTube video, which we're going to link to in the show notes, from a channel called Extra Credits, which is all about that, and I found it really fascinating as a design problem. Mm. So... We enjoy the choice in games, but often, like I said, that choice is quite limited, so it's manageable. Mm. I have played certain games where I've actually quit because the choices started becoming overwhelming mm. and where the choice felt like it was impacting on the long-term outcomes in the game. Mm. In certain role-playing games, choosing you know, to build up certain skills or buy certain weapons mm. or whatever it might be, and... The choice suddenly started to feel too too big, too overwhelming. I felt like I was too making risky or... too risky, too uh, making poor choices, bad combinations, and I quit the game because it felt right. too much pressure somehow. Yeah, and it stopped being enjoyable. And that is, I think, really telling. And mm. that's kind of where we're going a little bit today. That's, that's how I feel about big menus and restaurants. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. Oh, but all the other things I could have had. Yeah. Is this the right thing? Yeah. And it never is because I'll see somebody else order something. Yeah. <laughs> just give me three. Like set menus are just my heaven. Yeah. Because like limit me to three choices and I'm away. Yeah. Um, it's totally, totally a thing. And we're going to now talk a little bit about the evidence behind how this works and that tension between feeling like we want choice, as in video game design, but actually enjoying limited choices more than we enjoy massive choices. Mm. Okay, so uh, the big expert on this is a woman called Sheena Ayanga, and she did some work with another psychologist called Mark Lepper, and they wanted to test how we felt about choices in a kind of limited, manageable way. And so they looked at a gourmet food market in California. And this is a place with literally thousands of 
products of different kinds, hundreds of types of mustard and hundreds mm. of types of crackers. And She's got this in a TED talk, which I've watched. Yeah. And um, I think they have something like 200 kinds of olive oil in the shop. Yeah. Which is like just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> including ones that are sort of locked up in a cabinet because yeah. they're so rare and precious. All kinds of things. So they booked out two consecutive Saturdays neither of them on a holiday weekend. And they set up a little tasting booth with some uh, exotic jams in the tasting booth. Mm. And the reason they chose those more exotic flavours is they didn't want to include something that would be somebody's default favourite already. Mm. So it was all the kind of... Yam jam. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kiwi and fudge or whatever it was. (laughs) (laughs) Rambutan jam. Hey! (laughs) Yeah. A whole bunch of, of the the weird and the wonderful. All the same brand, so they all had the same, you know, labels and things on them. They looked very similar, but um, but yeah, a whole, whole wide range. And on day one, they offered 24 types of jam for people to taste. And then people who did a tasting would get a £1 discount coupon and could buy some jam with a discount coupon later on as they wandered around the store. And then on the second weekend, they only had an array of six types of jam and they still offered the same one pound, one dollar, sorry, discount coupon for jam. One pound would be quite a lot off jam. One dollar mm. is less, so I think. Well, not these days. No, same. that's true. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, I have no idea what the price of jam is in the United States, let alone mm. in a chichi gourmet food market in California. <laughs> anyway, so day one... <laughs> of passing customers stopped to try the jam. So having a big array of 24 types was definitely appealing to people. They liked that. And on day two, only 40% stopped. So it was quite a big jump down in the number of people who were attracted to the tasting booth by a smaller array of possible tastings than a big array. However... There was no significant difference in the number of jams tasted. Mm. So people didn't come to 24 jams and then taste, you know, five of them. Um, They still only tasted, I think on average, it was just over one type of jam each. People don't want to look greedy, do they? (laughs) People are shy, really. Oh, are they though? Maybe. Yeah, I never even taste the things in the supermarket because I'm too shy. Oh. I know, it's terrible. I, I I got over that um, being a foreign student in Japan and going around all the bakeries, which always have a million and one little baskets of bread, that, little bread cubes that you can taste. Mm. And we used to go and eat all the bread cubes because we were poor <laughs> students. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, the, the key thing here is so more people stopped to try, try jam when there were more types of jam available, but... When it came to actually making a purchase and using their dollar off discount coupon, 10 times more people bought jam on the day when there were fewer options to taste. So 30% of people bought jam, who tried jam, bought jam when it was only six types to taste. And on the day when there were many options to taste, it was only 3% of them actually stopped and bought some jam Mm. afterwards. Mm. Which is just incredible, right? It's a, it's, it's a huge, huge difference. Mm. So effectively, offer people more, they'll buy less. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what happened. Yeah. Mm. People people will approach you being attracted by more. That more is entertaining to people, mm. but they actually purchase when the options are fewer. Mm. Um, and there's a related study with chocolates and that did a similar... Um, found a similar effect, but it also found that not only were people more likely to buy when they sampled from a smaller selection, they were actually happier with the choices that they'd bought as well mm. afterwards. Mm. So they, they rated their choice more highly, mm. um, which I think is really interesting. Mm. And I think this is the appeal of uh, some of the discount supermarkets, like Aldi and Lidl and so on, is not just the fact that the prices are low, it's that actually they remove some of that ridiculous, overwhelming choice from people. Mm. Um, and and that makes it much easier for you to have a much quicker, smoother, more streamlined mm. shopping experience, mm. even if it's in a quite a... Um, what almost feels like quite a frenetic environment yeah. sometimes. Yeah, it can be a little chaotic. <laughs> but um, you're always going to get waylaid by that magic middle aisle, though. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. When we come back from the ads, mm. we're going to talk about what this means for money. Exactly. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so we're talking about how having too many choices might initially feel good, but it's actually distracting and off-putting and prevents us from making good choices and being happy with those choices. And... Obviously, in the first one, we're just talking about buying some jam, which is a very, very low stakes purchase. Do I like jam very much? Have I spent money on jam I didn't want? Mm. Oh, well, you know, this is not a huge issue mm. uh, in spite of the way that some frugal money bloggers might. <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm being shady or anything. But <laughs> it's, it's to their jammy own. Exactly, exactly. So uh, 
Shinayanga again um, wanted to do a, a bit of a uh, study on something a bit more important. And this time she's working with Wei Jiang and Ger Huberman, and they were looking at voluntary employee pension savings. So a massive topic, really important for people and their long-term financial well-being. And so they looked at the retirement savings of just under 800,000 Americans. And they looked at data across 647 pension plans and found that those plans had a range of possible fund options per plan. So some of those plans that people could potentially invest in only gave you two different options for where your savings could go. And some of them gave you up to 59 possible fund options Mm -hmm. that you would have to select from before you started putting any money into them. And what they found, which is quite shocking, is that for every 10 funds offered, participation rates go down 2%. Mm. They're already, they don't even start as high as they could do. Mm. They start at somewhere between 75, 80%. That's the absolute top end. But of for, participation. Of participation, yeah. So, so, so there's a, a significant chunk of the population who have the availability of these retirement funds who don't ever pay into them. Mm. But the more funds were offered, the fewer people mm. would ever opt in and make that choice and actually pay into their pension. That being that you had to choose a select number from the available options. It wasn't just that you're going to spread your money across all 59. It was that you actually had to choose eight or something. What? Yeah, I think you had a choice between one and however many of the possible funds. Yeah, you couldn't choose. It would be, it would be incredibly foolish to choose all 59 because mm. you'd waste all of your money on fund fees, fund mm. management fees. Mm. So you are, you are, it's not like, oh, I just put into this thing that has 59 things that it pots that it all goes into and spreads my risk. It's actually that people were kind of forced to choose between them. Yeah, For practical exactly. reasons at the very least. Yes, yes, exactly that. I don't know enough about US pension funds and employee pension funds and mm. how they work to be able to say yeah, exactly mm. that. But I think the norm would be to only have one fund within your plan and then potentially adjust that through your lifetime to suit your risk profile. But certainly the the key aspect is that making your choice from within all of these possible fund options was something that people found difficult and off-putting. And just having to make that choice was off-putting enough to reduce participation such that when you get down between the funds with the least and the funds with the most possible different options, the funds with the least possible options had 10% higher participation rate, which is massive. Mm. There is a growing awareness of this issue. It's why uh, the UK government has created NEST, which is a employee pension that uh, employees are defaulted, opted into, and they can choose to opt out, but they are by default opted into that. And there is a default percentage of salary that you will put into a default contribution from your employer and a default fund that you will be opted into. And you can choose to change that and you can choose to opt out completely if that's something that you care about. But there is a a sort of, yeah, there's a removal of that choice if you don't want to make it. And that has greatly increased both the amount that people are saving into pensions and the number of people that 
are saving into pensions where they weren't before. So that's been, certainly by their own metrics, really quite a successful scheme for people. It's also why we like comparison sites and the increasing number of uh, companies that are coming along and even taking away the need to use a comparison site and saying, if you sign up with us, we will just permanently keep you on the best value energy tariff or we'll permanently keep your savings in the highest rated savings account within our pool of possible options. Then Mm. you don't have to think about making those changes. Mm. And obviously, if you prefer to have the control of making those choices for yourself, then that's great for you. But a lot of people are saying, no, no, I don't want to have to think about this. I'm just going to go with whatever the top rated is thing is here, I'm going to go with this firm and I don't mind paying a percentage of my possible savings on this to this company for them to take away that choice for me. Mm. And you can see what happens. You see what happens. So let's talk about what the actual problem is. Why, why even is this? We've sort of talked about the evidence, but let's actually talk about why are too many choices actually a problem? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go on, Alex. I just, I'm, I don't like them. Yeah. Those films, are, even just thinking about them, I feel quite overwhelmed. Like, you know, you go on Netflix and there's so much you could watch. And now I barely watch any of it. I'm paying like nine quid a month or whatever it is not to watch it because I go on and I spend a good 20 minutes trying to decide. And then it's like, oh, I haven't got enough time to watch anything before bed now. It's that kind of feeling of, oh, it's like, oh, I could watch anything tonight. And then it suddenly turns into, oh, God, I could watch anything tonight <laughs> really quickly. It's just, um, yeah, I just it's overwhelming. I can't really, I don't, nothing seems better than anything else. What if I start watching something and it's actually a bit rubbish? Yeah. And then I've just wasted my life as opposed to this 20 <laughs> minutes I'm wasting my life looking at the choices on Netflix. Yeah. So making choice, choices in themselves feel like hard work. Mm. And we put it off and then we potentially miss opportunities because like you're yeah. spending so much time choosing, you're missing the opportunity yeah. to actually watch the thing. Yeah. And we're afraid of regretting our choices, which mm. is what you've just said yeah. as well. Yeah. And that's paralyzing. And then sometimes once we've made a choice, we actually aren't confident in the choice that we've made, which I think is is really fascinating. The grass seems greener, even when objectively we've made the best choice. So some situations, there is an objective best option. But because there are so many other options, we are more fearful that we've made the wrong choice. And this one, I I think, is really fascinating. We assume that because there are so many choices, one of them must be perfect. And that's not necessarily true. Mm. That's a logical fallacy as well. Mm. There can be hundreds of rubbish choices Mm. or hundreds of choices, none of which is really right for you. I think that kind of relates to the last point of like the, in the grass seems greener when we've objectively made the best choice. It's like you, it's very hard to actually know that you have Mm. without, you know, interrogating it deeply, which when you've already spent 20 minutes trying to choose something doesn't really feel the right time. Yeah. But um, (laughs) I mean, it might not just be a TV show, but yeah, you might actually objectively know, but do you know? know, (laughs) That sort of feeling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, certainly with, with a lot of financial decisions, there's probably a, a numeric value that you can say this mm. is this is the, the best choice. It has the lowest fees and charges. It mm. has the highest potential returns of some mm. kind, so and so on. But then I suppose, like, 
if you've got so many choices, well, maybe there's just another one that I haven't found out about. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> makes uh, you think there's some hiding under the carpet or Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was thinking about that idea that there are so many choices, one of them must be perfect. And I was thinking about how in our society and there are all of these millions of choices. You think one of them must be tailored for you, but sometimes all of the millions of choices are designed for a particular consumer. And if you're not that consumer, none of the choices are for you. Or only two or three after choices are for you. I feel like this a little bit about mobile phones. Right. I feel like I'm not the consumer mm. at whom mobile phones are targeted. Yep. Yeah. And so there are hundreds of mobile phones, thousands on the market. They're all chasing a particular rich 24-year-old man who games and watches live football in HD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a particular Instagram influencer. Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but they're not for me. Yeah. And, yeah, that gets quite frustrating. So, you know, we can be in that situation. And I'm sure there are other people who are more excluded in various ways from our society than I am by some margin mm. who also experience this far more deeply and in far more challenging ways than I do. Not just having a moan because all the mobile phones are too big for my hands. <laughs> yeah, too, way too big for mine, but yeah. I am small. True, exactly. Otherwise exactly. I just have to get like a child's one that's got some kind of unicorn on it. <laughs> <laughs> a minion. <laughs> yeah. And small does not equal cute. No. You know, in fact, when you're a bit smaller, you want to project less cuteness yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the last thing that I think is a, actually a genuine issue is that when there are thousands of choices, it enables providers to shift responsibility for providing good products onto customers. So we've provided all this choice... That means that you misbought, we didn't missell. If you've made a choice that doesn't work out for you, mm. oh, well, you know, we provided you with all the choice. Mm. If it didn't work out for you, that's on you. Mm. And I think that's very insidious. Yeah. Again, particularly within financial markets. I think that's very, very insidious. So choices often make us flock to default options. We've already talked about, you know, there can be times when a default option exists and that's a sort of almost like a government approved default option. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there are other times when there are default options and we will tend to, in the face of choice overload, just go to that default and just go with it to get away from making another flipping decision. And that's a massive issue where the default is absence, which no savings is the default. No insurance is the default. Mm. No investments is the default. We have to make a choice in order to have the things that provide us with financial security. And that's a real challenge in a world where there are too many options mm. and where those options, I think, have been intentionally designed to be complex. And I don't even think... And often, hard to assess. Yeah, they're not even necessarily like designed to be complex for that point that you made about them. You know, we misbought it. It's... It's almost like sometimes it's done to as a bit of a look how clever we are because we can come up with all this stuff as opposed to 
you know, we've come up with useful things that people might actually want and need. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's a whiff of that in finance as well. Yeah. For sure. I, when, I, when I was thinking of the you've misbought thing, I'm thinking particularly about certain utility tariffs and also particularly train tickets in this country. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Buy, oh, honestly. Yeah. I would, I could tell you a very boring story about my weekend train tickets, but I won't. But just take it for granted that it, we saved money by doing something ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes, I believe you. Our train ticket situation in this country is ridiculous. So that's the other thing is where the default is a bad deal. You know, and that's often insurance renewal quotes, expensive utility tariffs, mm. times where if you don't pay attention at a particular renewal point in a contract, you get defaulted onto some yeah. kind of standard terms yeah. and they're pants. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason they do that is because they know that you're not going to notice or you're not going to be bothered. And well, yeah. effectively, they'll make back all the discount that they gave you and then some. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're not generous. <laughs> yeah. Because, again... The alternative to being defaulted onto their standard is having to make a choice mm. and having to go through that complex process again. And we hate it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so having had a lengthy rant about choice and how frequently terrible it is, yeah. we're going to uh, just leave you with that <laughs> choice soup. Yeah. <laughs> I leave you to mull over my train tickets at the weekend. Honestly, I could do at least the 30-minute podcast on that, but we'll save it for next time. Next time, we're going to talk about some suggestions for how to cope with all of this yes, and how to make things a little bit better for yourself. We're going to give you a spoon for your choice soup. Yes, exactly. I was going to say life raft, but I don't think you can really fit one in soup. No, I'm not sure soup was the right metaphor. <laughs> Thanks anyway. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King, Tom Berry, and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.